This episode is sponsored by the Anchor app. This app has truly changed my podcasting flow in a multitude of ways, as I'm now able to record more often due to it being a one-stop shop for recording, editing, distributing, and sponsorships. This app is completely free, which is pretty unheard of in the podcasting world, as majority of hosting platforms require a storage fee. So not only is the app free and incredibly easy to use, but it helps to match you with brands that you as the host believe in and want to support and so that you can get paid to podcast. I'm so grateful to have been introduced to this platform as I've literally gotten hours of my life back just by switching to Anchor, which took all of one minute to do. This is an amazing place to start if you're interested in creating a podcast of your own. You can find them at anchor.fm forward slash start to join myself and so many others in the podcast movement. That's anchor.fm forward slash start. Thank you so much, Anchor, for supporting this episode and for changing the podcasting game for the better. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Calm Collective Podcast. I'm Cassandra, and I'm so, so happy that you're here with me today, wherever you might be in the world. Before we get into today's episode, I just want to do two quick little pings to see if this lands well for you. Have you signed up for the Monday Mindfulness Newsletter? This is one of my favorite parts of my business. Every Monday, I send out a little mindfulness um, email that includes a personal story and just a few lessons that I've learned along the way. They just come once a week, so no clutter to your inbox. After all, you all know how I feel about clutter. I don't like it. So if that's something that interests you, you can head over to the show notes and uh, click on that link and you can sign right up for that. Another thing that has been live for a little bit now since um, by the time that this post is my seven day free declutter challenge. If you are someone who feels like the act of decluttering just feels so overwhelming, like you don't know where to start, you wouldn't know how to maintain it, or that you just don't have the time to start the process, this challenge is for you. It's seven days, excuse me, it's seven emails, but it's over the duration of about 12 days. And this is to ensure that it doesn't bring forth any overwhelm and that you have the chance to really absorb the lessons and the tips and do the homework that I provide through some printable downloads. If you want to sign up for this, again, it's absolutely free at no other obligation other than just to sign up, head back down to the show notes, click on that link as well that says sign up for the free seven-day declutter challenge, or you can head over to my website, thecalmcollective.com, where it will show as a pop-up and you can sign up there. All right, I'm done pitching myself, so let's get into today's episode. It's something that I'm really excited to talk about because I think it's probably one of the most important things as human beings that we can learn to practice. So I want to talk about the art of empathy and more specifically, really learning how to listen. So let's first start with the definition of empathy because I think a lot of times that gets a little confused with the word sympathy. So the actual definition of empathy is the ability to understand and share the feelings of another. So why is listening the key to empathy? So when we find the ability to listen and to listen well, we not only open up ourselves to hearing new perspectives and points of view, but we challenge our mental state to go beyond our own personal experiences and to hear how life is affecting those around us. 
So one of life's biggest challenges is to know how to empathize with someone without actually knowing what they're going through. This is why the practice of listening is so incredibly important and goes beyond just using your ears. I know firsthand from when I lost my dad how crucial it was and still is to get empathy from my friends and those in my life rather than just their sympathy. Empathy is healing. It makes you feel less alone, like you're understood. So let's talk about how to practice deep listening and to show empathy towards those people in our life. So where to meet. If you know you'll be expected to lend an ear to a friend or a family member or someone, try to recommend a place that doesn't have a lot of distraction or where you don't anticipate seeing anyone that you know. This will just help you focus solely on this one person and not be distracted by everything going on around you. Now, technology. This is a big one. Turn your phone off or put it to silent or just shove it in your purse. Even if it feels tempting or habitual to take your phone out when there's a lull moment during a conversation, try to resist and stay present in the moment. Now, I think that this goes without saying, even if you aren't there to lend empathy, but you're just like hanging out with a friend or grabbing a coffee or going out to lunch, this is a really good practice. But especially when you're trying to show up for someone, that tiny, tiny little thing of you just flipping your phone over and looking, it breaks it breaks the connection. It might not seem logical that the person that you're listening to could feel so heartbroken and destruct and disrupted by by you just simply checking your phone, but it just it completely breaks it breaks the connection that you were there to build in the first place. Trust me. Trust me on that one. The next thing I want to talk about is body language. So Focus on eye contact and address your body language. This is, this is one I'm sure you've heard before, but I think it's one that a lot of people can't perfect, so they just tend to ignore. Making eye contact will not only let the person feel like they're really being listened to, but it will bring you even closer together. So eye contact is truly one of the strongest ways to connect with another human. Have you ever done the stargazing? Oh my gosh, we do it in yoga, and it's so awkward until it isn't. There's like this shift where during the the staregazing, you're literally just looking at each other so uncomfortable and then something just shifts and you get this reality of this reality check of like, oh, we're just two humans observing one another. We're just two humans trying to understand one another without talking. So don't let this one fall by the wayside, no matter how strange or abnormal it may feel to really be honing in on someone via eye contact. It's one of the purest ways that we can show with our body language that we are tuning in, that we are present, and that we are hearing everything that they're saying. Similar to this, your body language is a huge tell-all as to how well you're listening. So sure, positioning is important, sitting across from them or next to them, but your body language is more specific to you and how you're holding yourself. So to ensure you're being as receptive as possible, practice turning towards the person and finding a relaxed position. So I guess the one thing I will say to try and stray away from is just don't cross your arms. <laughs> Have you ever sat across from someone who's listening to you and their arms are crossed? Like there's just something about that body language where you, you want to be like, do you even want to be here right now? So don't even give the person who needs your attention that thought. The next thing would be acknowledgement. So acknowledge what they're saying throughout the conversation without interruption. This is key. 
In some ways, you should be able to repeat part of their story or what they're speaking to you about as a way to show that you're listening on a deeper level and you're present there with them. So something I do when the time is right, and you'll notice um, on the podcast, there'll be little tiny brief, not even interruptions, but noises that I'll make like, mm-hmm, or like, oh, totally, yes, or that's so good. Just to acknowledge that like, I'm with you, I'm hearing everything that you're saying, and I want you to keep going. Another thing that I do is I'll ask a helpful follow-up question. So maybe something like, oh, why do you think you feel that way? Or what did that feel like when that happened? Of course, this depends on the conversation at hand, so just remember to be sensitive and aware. But those follow-up questions generally feel really comforting. You're giving, you're giving the person validation that you're there along with them, but then you're also asking them to dig deeper, which is just a total dead set giveaway that you are 100% present with them. Also, remember that it's not about you. I know that one sounds a little harsh, but it isn't. It's not about you. So speaking of interruptions, don't do that. Bite your tongue and do your very best to withhold any of your own personal stories unless they're asked of you. This is one of the best abilities and habits of highly empathetic people. And on that note, let's talk about for a little bit just how to empathize with those that are grieving. I really hope that this is a huge takeaway for any of you who maybe have someone in your life who's lost someone and you're just not really sure how to show up for them. Since grief is one of the most crucial ways that we can support someone due to how painful it is, and it's also one of the most challenging ways to practice empathy if you haven't experienced grief for yourself, I just want to share some quick ways that you can use your emotional intelligence to better someone's life in this area simply by being there and listening on a deeper level. That's it. So one thing, and this all just comes from personal experience, so I understand that this could that this is opinion-based, but I feel like to some extent it's also just self-awareness and just um, kind of obvious. So anyone who's been through grief, I'm... I, I imagine that you might be nodding your head and can agree with this, but the first one would be avoid asking how you can help and just help. You can do this in a variety of ways, but one way that sticks out to me is that right after my dad passed away, it was around midnight, my friends arranged meals for the next day. Now, I was out of state. I wasn't in Chicago. My parents um, snowbird in Florida during the winters, and that is where my dad wanted to be for his last days. So I was out of town. So they still put in the effort to arrange those meals for the next day. They didn't ask if that's what we needed. They just did it. The very last thing that you want to do is eat when you're grieving. So that was really helpful to at least have the option at our disposal. Another way is to outsource help. You can hire them a cleaning person to come and clean their home or bring them their favorite tea with zero expectation of invading their space just in case they aren't ready. Or offer or demand that you'll be taking their kids or pets for the day for an overnight sleepover just to give them a break. The next thing would be to just try as best as you can to put yourself in their shoes. So before you decide what to say, try your hardest to be on their end of things. Would you want someone to say, it will get better, or everything happens for a reason after you just lost one of the most important people in your life? I'm guessing no, and I'll tell you from my experience, it's one of the most painful things that you can actually hear, even though the intentions are usually pure and really beautiful. So 
try to get to the nitty gritty of how you would feel if that happened to you and say what it is that would bring you the most comfort. When I've had to be there for my friends and family who have lost loved ones um, since my experience of losing my dad, this is what I go with. I say, I don't have words. I only have love. And I'm alongside you to help you through this every step of the way. And then I go back to that first point. I don't ask how I can help. I just help. The next thing would be to don't shut down or be afraid of emotions. Emotions play such a huge role when it comes to grief and also when it comes to showing empathy. So if you're able to get down on their level and grieve alongside them, even better. When I'm able to cry or scream or just live in whatever emotion my grief is bringing me that day or week or month, I feel completely free. One of the hardest things for someone who's grieving is to feel like they're bringing down the room or they're being ultra sensitive and feeling like they're complaining when really they're just feeling and working their way through a major loss. Giving them permission to feel their feelings and to do it alongside them is one of the best ways that you can be empathetic and to heal your loved ones in the process. Finally, don't erase what happened. First of all, you can't, but don't try. Something else I can relate to firsthand is the fear that your loss will be erased with time and silence. As time starts to pass, people will naturally stop bringing up what happened. It's just the way that it goes. Some may stop bringing up what happened in fear of making you relapse into your sadness. I say that with quotes because like, that's just not a thing. I've talked about it before. Grief is a loop. It will always show back up. You will never be cured of your sadness after a loss. And, but here's the truth. The sadness only deepens and it only gets worse when people act like it never happened. I talk about my dad all of the time, and I encourage others in my life to do the same. I make it a note to tell them that that feels really good to me, that I'm an open book, and that my dad is not a wound. He's my father, right? So if you're unsure if your friend, loved one wants to talk about it or is sensitive to the subject, definitely ask the simple question. Does it make you feel good to talk about what blank's name or would you rather we didn't talk about it i promise you they'll give you a direct straight answer and from there you'll know how to approach this the situation moving forward so i know i've talked about some of these points in another episode on how to be there for your friends when they're grieving but i think it's important to highlight these these points specifically in relation to empathy because they really do play such a strong role And even as someone who's gone through grief and who's needed empathy from others, I'm constantly working on practicing empathy to give to those in my life whenever and wherever it's needed. This episode comes with some experience, sure, but it's also coming, I don't know how to say it. I feel like in a way, like I'm, I'm posting this episode for myself as well, because I'm not perfect in this department or any department for that matter. And I'm always letting you guys know that I'm learning right alongside you. I'm never here to preach. And it's something that I'm aware of and trying to get better at every day. And I truly believe that if we were all able to just focus on empathy, to deliver it appropriately, and to truly experience other people's point of views, we'd all be better off. And I encourage you to see the shift that happens in your body when you truly are listening. When we're half listening, we're almost like a little fidgety right? Like you're a little antsy. You have other things going on in your mind. When you're truly listening, your entire body 
is so relaxed. It's almost like you're in a meditative zone, but you're paying attention. I really hope that this episode helps and comes to the surface the next time that you're in a position to offer empathy and that you too continue to open yourself up to the ability to help those around you simply by listening. I really do think that it's one of our biggest superpowers as human beings.